Is there anything more boring than a career site? I mean, is there anything... I mean, if you looked up a career site in the dictionary, it would say, please see Topi Off-White Beige, right? It's the most boring thing in the world. I, it, there's no information most of the time. There's there's not a lot of detail. There's not a lot of useful materials. The You're not trying to differentiate yourselves in any way, shape, or form. It just feels like the, gosh, I guess I have to put a career site up because I have to because that's what you know people like you told me to do, James. Like, yeah, I know, but I didn't tell you to do a sucky one. And yet somehow... They all kind of suck. I mean, you know, not sucks like on a job disc- job posting kind of level, which is just painful. I mean, like half the time those things have, you know, poorly written, no grammar, run-on sentences or sentence fragments that barely connect to each other where there's clearly some sort of patchwork effect going on. Where the career site is this kind of, okay, let's take the glory that is a job posting and take 20 of them and boil them down and boil them and boil them and boil them. Like I'm making bones for my soup, right? I'm just making a stock and I'm just going to boil them and boil them and boil them and boil them until they're so rubbery and boring. It's like a chicken roll sandwich. Like, okay, this is the most processed boring thing in the world almost designed to say nothing. So I want to thank Ben Fox who brought the question to me. Hey, Ben. Uh, What's a great career site look like? And the truth is I've looked at a lot and I can't say I've seen an amazing one. So I thought, what the heck would a perfect career site look like? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So hang on to your HTML and CSS and stick around. We're going to learn more about maybe a better career site that you can build right now. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better. And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So welcome to TalentCast. There you go. Obvious housekeeping. Going to do a lot of speaking. If you're going to, you might actually see me at Transform. If you haven't uh, signed up yet for the live stream, you should do so. It's about There's about a million different ways to do that. I'll put a link on the show notes. Um, I'm going to be there on Thursday. I'm going to be there the whole week, but not the whole week, but Thursday and Friday. But my speaking slot is Thursday. So you can see me. I recommend seeing me because I bought a special outfit and I'm going to hold it that. It's not a chicken outfit. It's not anything quite so garish, but only barely. Uh, so you're going to want to see that. Otherwise, uh, let's see, Wreckfest in London next month, uh, MRA in Minneapolis the month after that, a couple of small things going on like that. And also my career has changed, or my, my day job anyway. So uh, if those of you who are connected with me at LinkedIn, you know that as of in a week or so, I'm starting a new gig over at Universum. So this doesn't change anything I say or do here. Uh, it certainly shouldn't, and so I just thought I'd let you know, since you know I'm going to learn a lot of stuff over at Universum and doing what I do, and I'm going to bring it to you guys so that you can get some value out of that. So, housekeeping, there you go. Oh yeah, the thetalentcast.com. Go sign up for the newsletter. Blah 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 blah. Anywho, career sites. You know, I just 
as someone who cut their teeth literally making websites for other companies, in which I remember the days in which you had to have conversations, and this was, let's call it 1998, 1999, where it was like, oh, gotta have a website, gotta have a website, gotta have a website. You know, look at pets.com, they're making a bajillion dollars. Outpost.com, making a bajillion dollars. Um, gosh, we gotta have a website, gotta have a website. And my job was to say, why? For what purpose? And the answer was usually pretty vague. The answer was usually because everybody else has one, or we have to have a presence. And this is, of course, the days before Facebook and the days before other social channels. Uh, But everybody just kind of had to plant their flag. Everybody had to have a website. And the value of those websites were best described as brochureware, meaning it wasn't dynamic. You know, you look at Amazon and you think Amazon did a great job. But if you can compare what Amazon did in the moment, in 1996 and 97, e-commerce was banking new, uh, their ability to search for things, to see things, to read reviews. It was just earth-shattering, as close, at least anyway, as close as you can get. Most career sites were, here's a picture of our product. If you would like to learn more, call us or fax us. <laughs> not kidding. Um, kids, a fax machine is it? No, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, ask your mom. Ask your dad what a fax machine is, and that's just sad. Anyway, they were just brochures. They were just, you took a brochure, you all but scanned it and stuck it on a www.thisiswhereilive.com, right? That's all it was. It didn't do much. It didn't change very often. People would look at their website every year or two and go, okay, we have to redesign our website. And you're like, no, you really don't. You just need to start filling it full of content. And that's how it kind of started, right? That was how the websites happened. We coded by hand, so consequently it took forever to make changes. Uh, literally one of my very first web jobs was at a dot com slash dot bomb uh, where all I did was make tiny tiny little content edits to the website by hand this is pre-dreamweaver this is, man I'm really nerding out on this stuff uh, it was just a pain in the butt it was just a pain in the, in the butt to change it and of course all that stuff has changed content management systems and wordpresses and all the stuff that make websites so much easier to work with and deal with have become standard practice and we've evolved as our website instead of hanging here here's our flag here's our brochure and every year we're every season we'll change it Websites are designed to be living things. You don't really rethink and reimagine websites from scratch very often, and you shouldn't because the SEO impact of wiping your site and starting clean is pretty heinous. You don't want to do that. But they're really evolutionary living things. You add to it. You adjust things. You tweak things. You pull things out that aren't working anymore and replace them with things that you hope might. Um, you add more content. There's, I mean, because it's web hosting and it's you have almost near infinite space. Um, sure, stick more on, and, and you know, more and more stuff can get on there. And that's kind of how career sites have evolved. Same process. Here is our website or web page usually stuck under under the about section of our navigation, and it all it says is, hey, we have jobs. You should email us or apply over here or go look at a job board of some sort where we do our dirty business as it were um you know there's really wasn't much there to now obviously career sites are far more dynamic you have an active list of open jobs and recs um you can apply to jobs right there yes you might use other technology to manage that process like an ats or a crm process or what have you but they're fairly active sites if you let them be of course In the same way that it's not the hammer, it's the hand that wields the hammer, when you give a dynamic system to HR, somehow the dynamicism seems to just disappear. Now, I'd love to point fingers. Oh, look, I'm pointing fingers. It's HR. What are you doing? Um, 
websites are not things you launch. Websites are things you care for. They are the they are your pet hamster, right? You you have to feed them every day. You have to change the you know the the cedar chips every week or two. You have to make sure. Um, you have water and it's clean and you bathe it every once in a while. I don't know how you bathe a hamster or whatever. Um, I, I've wandered into a funny cul-de-sac, but that's the whole podcast, right? Um, you have to take take you know take action every on a regular basis. Otherwise, the site gets stale and boring, and that's unfortunately how most career sites land. No matter how good the software is that underlies it, whether you spent no money on a WordPress site or you spent a lot of money on a insert your particular platform of choice here. I will not name names, even though I could. Hit me up later for complaints and laughs later. You can spend all the money in the world. You can spend no money in the world. But in the end, it's not about the platform. It's about how much time and attention you spend to it. So the other part of this career sites, and and I've told this story, I know, is that back when I was working with the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, yeah, I know, calm down. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Don't need to, to, to be impressed. Everybody focused on what's the design of the homepage, and I literally abdicated the conversation. And people said, why aren't you, James, you're a total loudmouth. Why aren't you part of this conversation? That was said with love. Uh, I said, I don't, because I don't care about what this answer is. Nobody goes to the homepage. I'm going to focus on the template for all the content on the inside where everybody lives, and I'm going to make the choices that impact our users and our builders and our authors and our managers far down the road, far more than what the homepage says, or what a homepage, more importantly, looks like. Uh, so I'll be over here doing good work, and that kind of made them raise their eyebrows, and they realized I was right about that, which I love. Anyway, career sites are not destinations, right? No one goes, hey, you want to see what's over at the, insert company name here, website, career site, want to see what's going on. Nobody does that, right? Everybody knows that a career site is a a validation service, right? You've seen uh, a job on the job boards, Indeed, or wherever you get your jobs, LinkedIn, I don't care, I'm not you know, partial to anyone in particular. Uh, you see the job and you're like, okay, I don't know much about this company or I think I sort of me- kind of remember this, something about this company. I'm going to go learn more. And the you know, obvious answer is you go to the big old Google and you type in company name, career, and you see what pops up. And the first thing that should pop up, and if it doesn't, you should fix it, is your career site. That is to say, this is the reference material for your entire employer brand con- candidate experience journey. This is where really you have to get it right because nothing else you control as much as a career site, nothing else um, you have direct access to like a career site, nothing else is as inexpensive to change on a unit per unit basis as your career site. So you have to get it right. On top of which, what your career site says, says so much about you and frames the rest of the conversation. If you say we're the most friendly people on earth on your career site and we are go team and we're all in it for each other and we love to help each other and then I start to see conversations on Glassdoor and LinkedIn or my friend works there and said, no, no, it's like this. I'm going to get the sense that you may say you're all team, but you don't actually act all team. And the fact that you're saying you're all team and then I can't see anything that validates that information means that you're a, what's the word I'm looking for, a liar. So that's a bad way to get things started. And certainly, you know, when people are looking to change their jobs, what they're really trying to do is change their entire flipping lives so they don't go half-assed into that. You want to make sure and give them all the information they need to change their entire flipping lives, right? And when you introduce anything that creates uncertainty, and we definitely talked about this before, in introducing uncertainty just kills that process. 
So your career site is where you spark so much of what does your brand stand for. Yes, they collect information about your brand via consumer interactions, via the news, via Google searches, all that stuff. But since you don't really control most of those things, this is the one thing you do control. This doesn't dictate the answer, but it certainly has a lot to do with how people see your brand. If your brand is all about um, innovation and then they click on that uh, ATS and the ATS looks like it was designed in 1997, how innovative are you really? You set, put the flag wherever you want to put that flag, but you make sure that you're putting your flag in a place where all the next steps of information are going to validate that claim, right? If you said you're the fastest car in the world and you're a Ford Festiva, um, and all I do is see all the other cars pass me, guess what? You're a liar, and I don't believe you, and I don't want to buy this car. Simple as that. Now, the problem with career sites is because HR owns it, and yeah, I'm pointing fingers at y'all, um, they all say the same things. Oh, God, they're all such copycats. Now, I wish I had any kind of data that says it's because everybody's so terrified of what they should say or what they're allowed to say or when can they say what they want to say that everybody just goes, look, the safest way to do it is to play lemming and to do what everybody else does and that's what we'll do. And as a, someone who looks at a lot of career sites, they all, almost all look exactly the same. They have the same kind of pictures. They have the same kind of language. They have the same kind of headlines. They have the same kind of content. When they have content, it's usually the same three or four things over and over and over again. And then there's a link to jobs. And then they're all the same. How am I supposed to make a change in my life when I can't understand what you're, what's different about you? You say the same things and you say things and show those things in the same way. You've all got a video that talks about your company. You've all got a paragraph that talks about why your culture is amazing. You've all got a testimonial by some leader probably talking about how this is a great place to grow a career or whatever. And then here's a list of jobs. Snoozerville. Maybe you've gone crazy and listed some very generic benefits that may or may not apply to everyone and they don't say much. Like we have medical insurance. Well, yeah, but do you pay for it? Do you pay for some of it? Is it good insurance? Is it high level? Is it low level? What's the deal? You've given me just enough information to go, so there's something there, but you've not given me certainty. What are we talking about? When you say you offer health insurance, what do you offer? But of course, most career sites won't say that because God forbid they make a change or God forbid they start hiring contractors and they don't offer the same insurance to everybody and they don't want to They'd rather uh, uh, err on the side of caution, as it were. Let's just say as little as we can uh, so that we can't get in trouble later because we don't see our website as a living, breathing thing that changes on a daily basis. We see it as something you launch once and hopefully forget. And if that's the case, let's put the most broad, boring content in the world on it. Previous day job, that's exactly what they did because it was literally so hard to change the website. The only content that you, you presumed you could only change the website once a, once a year, to which my head kind of explodes a little. Like, ah, why? How? Why even bother? You're see, it's like having a news site that says, um, hey, this year, it, it's like the Farmer's Almanac, <laughs> right? It's the Farmer's Almanac talking about... Um, what the weather is going to be like in six months. And you're like, okay, you're not going to tell me it's going to rain at 3 p.m. Of course not. You can only change that document once a year. So you say things like, in June, it's going to be very rainy. Uh, okay, that doesn't help me. 
that absolutely provides zero value to me whatsoever. Here it is June 14th as I record. Is it going to rain tomorrow? That's what I want to know. I don't need to know that the, wet, the, the month is going to be wet or the month is going to be dry. I'm not a farmer. Even farmers don't care about that stuff at that level, right? So if you know that your career site's going to never change, you put only the most bland things because you don't want anything to evolve into being wrong. So that means in order to make a career site work, you have to treat it as an, a living, breathing thing. So they're not destinations. No one goes surfing them looking for fun. You need to treat them as living, breathing things, and you need to treat them as reference sites. Now, one of the things about treating them as reference sites that you can change on a regular basis is that here's the lenses I want you to see the career site through. You need to assume that anybody who lands on your career site homepage who spends more than, let's say, 10 seconds absorbing any kind of brand information, whether it's the video, whether it's the text, whether it's the really glossy, boring picture of smiling people who may or may not work there, um, right? As, as after they absorb some of that brand information, assume they immediately go to your Glassdoor page and read the worst reviews, the one-star, making-your-head-hair-go-on-fire-level reviews. Why do I say that? Well, because one, people are going to land there anyway. And if we pretend that people don't go looking at those reviews, if we stick our head in the sand like an ostrich, well, then we've failed as employer brand professionals and recruitment marketing professionals. So don't fail. Get good at this. And what I'm saying is this is an opportunity, a way of looking at the problem to say, if you know what the worst stuff people say about you is, and you should go to Glassdoor, go look at the ratings, go look at the one stars. There they are. They're right there, black and white. Black and white, yeah, they're black and white. Go read them, go absorb them. If you know that is the second step, what do you say on step one that not just mitigates that negative review, but helps, allows that negative review to provide framework and edge? So, if you say, if you, if you think, oh, here's what's going to attract the most candidates, and right there the word most is what makes me go nuts because you know the most candidates is not important. It's not quality, it's, or it's not quantity, it's quality. Quality, quality, quality. You don't want a million candidates. You want 12. So what are those 12 and what do those 12 care about? Anyway, tangent coming back. If you, if you think what's going to attract the most candidates is talking about your amazing culture and you have a foosball table, which, <sighs> foosball table, not culture, not the same thing. Please, Kimmy, come on, follow along. We're friends now. Come on, I can say that stuff to you. If you think that's what that's going to attract the most people, okay, fine. I'm rolling my eyes really hard, but you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not your, your dad. Um, and you immediately go to that negative review in the homepage that says, you know what? This place is a factory. All they do is grind you to dust. They work you to death. There's no work-life balance. And uh, management is not very good at understanding what what staff need. Okay, you've just set yourself up for failure. You just tried to say, you're fun and friendly. We have foosball table. And then the reviews, which by the way are more believable than you are because they're not, uh, what's the word, marketing, um, they have just completely undercut your message. If I read your message about how you are friendly and foosball-y and I read their review about how you there's no work-life balance and management just grinds you to dust, guess who I believe? Guess what I think about your brand? I agree with the review because it's a lot less biased. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely biased, but it's biased and not in a way that's self, self-biased, right? It's not self, there's no self, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Marketers want to provide the most 
prettiest picture of themselves because they are incentivized to do so. Whereas a Glassdoor review, they may be pissed, but they came by it honestly. You may agree, you may disagree, but at least the incentive is different. So if you know, because you just went to Glassdoor and you read those reviews, as I told you to do, if you know that the raving, flaming, I hate you reviews are things like no work-life balance and grind to dust, your career site should not talk about foosball table. Your career site should talk about why do people work their rumps off for 12 to 14 hours a day? Why do you encourage people to do that? What do they get when they do that? You should talk about the level of performance, the level of development, the level of growth, the level of empowerment that encourages people to stick around. So if I read, look, we're trying to do something really hard here. We're trying to invent or disrupt or, and frankly, don't use disrupt. I think it's overused and super masculine and blah, 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 blah. Anywho, if you're talking about, we're going to, hey, let's talk about this. You're trying to do the impossible. You're trying to make something amazing happen. Whatever your particular equivalent of putting a tractor on the moon is or going to Mars or making a, a, an oil tanker that fits in your pocket. I mean, something insanely impossible, something so hard it is beyond aspirational. If you your career site says, look, we're trying to do amazing things and we work really hard to try and achieve it. Then I go to Glassdoor and I see, yeah, there's no work-life balance and managing grind you to dust. I go, yeah, that sounds about right. See what just happened? See what just happened? You get this, right? You're, I mean, I can't tell because I'm talking to a microphone. I don't see your, your, your pretty faces and seeing whether you're nodding or going, oh, like a dog showing a card trick. And I hope not. I hope I'm making this clear. But don't you see how if you know, if you assume that everyone who visits your career site immediately goes to this class and are seeing these worst reviews, you can plan on what your career site should say to allow those negative reviews to actually become positive. This is now validation and reinforcement that this is a company that pushes hard, that doesn't care about the niceties, that's really working its ass off to do something amazing. And suddenly that one star flaming review is in the positive for you because it says, nope, they're not kidding. They really are trying to do something impossible. They're really trying to do something amazing. See how that works? Your career site is the piece you control. It sets the frame for all the other information they're going to see. How they read the job posting, how they read the Glassdoor reviews, how they read the information they get when they go have coffee with their friend via LinkedIn who used to work there. How they're inserting all that information is framed by your career site. And if your career site just tries to do the same thing everybody else does, I'm literally shaking my fists and tapping my feet. If it's doing the same thing everyone else is doing, you're missing out. And it turns out your career site's gonna just be the taupey beige off-white of the rest of that website. And I want better for you. So let's spin it around. Let's assume that anybody who lands in your career site, hopefully I've made my point clear, hopefully I've, I've shaken, shook my fists hard enough, um, <laughs> I'm not drunk. <laughs> oh, some days what I do is weird. Um, so let's look at it from your candidate point of view. And I think you have to presume that candidates are the reason why you know we talk about and everybody talks about the the candidate journey is getting longer and there's so much more information. And the answer is the reason why that is is because candidates want some level of certainty. They want enough information that if you go back ten years ago, anybody who was applying was effectively applying applying all but blindly unless they knew someone. And frankly, it was hard to remember who they knew because they didn't have LinkedIn at the time, uh, or LinkedIn was still new. They were applying blind. 
And the, they learned about the company via the interview process. And in a world where the markets were not nearly, the talent markets were not nearly as tight as they are now, the power was all in the company's hands. They could reveal what they wanted to reveal. And frankly, with the power in the company's hands, the candidate wasn't always going to be inclined to try and push and say, no, okay, so really, what's this company really like? No, 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 I know you say that, but what's it really like? What's the day-to-day? And really kind of be a little more aggressive and assertive with their, what's, what, what's real and what's just bullshit? Shit, right? They didn't do that very often, or most people didn't. I don't think so. I, I know, so I certainly didn't. Um, but now, in a day of age where everybody wants that information, now it's all out there. It's all on Glassdoor and LinkedIn, and you know, can connect with your friends and go to Indeed ratings and go to Kanunu ratings if that's a thing you want to do, or any number of you know, Fairy God Boss and Power to Fly and all these other places that have reviews. You you can learn a lot about a company and the day to day experience of working in a company before you ever talk to a recruiter if you want. So what? should be on the career site. What is on a great, perfect career site? Well, first off, we framed out, we did the hard work, which is to say, we've framed out what we message we want you to carry. We figured out that we want you to know that we are incredibly hardworking because we're trying to achieve the impossible, because we know what's gonna land, what happens when you look at those glass door reviews, right? We understand how to frame it, but what next? So the basics of any good career site is really, I would, make them fall into this cat- these categories, and that is, what is the company, where is the company, and why is the company? That is, thinking about, what is the company? We are a public company, we're a private company, we are 40 people, we're 400,000 people, we are global, we are uh, in this industry, we mostly make these widgets, we're mostly in the service sector, mostly, we were we started by focusing on widgets, but we found that we've evolved into now that we just talk about widgets, and that's where we make most of our money. What is the company? You can even say, well, I'll talk about that in a second. And then you talk about where is the company. I and mean, the where part is often misunderstood because in a world where so many of us get to do remote work, in a world where um, talent in the world of talent is very fluid and you can hire people on the other side of the world and they can still do great work, the where tends to get forgotten. And I think the where is still very important. As much... As much as I like doing remote work, I think remote working still is in the minority. I think most people go into the office four or five times a day, or five a week, rather, sorry. Uh, they go in, and thus, if they go in that often, the understanding of where the company is located is still crucial. The difference between a 10-minute commute and a 30-minute commute is insane. It's night and day. And I would absolutely consider a place where I can get a 10-minute commute, and I would absolutely reject a place where I knew there was a 30-minute commute, and then when there's traffic, it's probably closer to 45. I would reject it. And I think most people do too. I think there's a line everybody has where it's like, oh, it's just too far. It's just not worth it. I'm going to have to spend my life in a car or a train or a bus or a boat or whatever, right? I don't want to do that. And even if they hand you one of those Wi-Fi hotspots that you can take on the bus or train or car or whatever, it just, it's just going to feel like you're going to live in a car. And that's no way to live. And you don't want, most people don't want that. So I think the where is still important and will always be important. And that means, be specific. I know of a company who will remain nameless um, that for a reasons that I, <laughs> I still can't understand, they are a financial services company. And because they were concerned that people would show up to their um, corporate headquarters with money to pay their bill, as it were, um, and their 
customer service center was outsourced to a place in another state, they would say that they were based in another state. So for example, if they're an Austin-based company and they have locations in uh, uh, Delaware and Colorado, but their customer service happened in Pennsylvania, they listed their company existing in Pennsylvania. And they listed it on LinkedIn and they listed it on Glassdoor and they listed it in a bunch of other places. Why? Because the one in a million customer who thought that they should drive up and, hand and pay their bill in pennies in person, the ultimate outlier case, they were, they were planning on that. Meanwhile, I think I'm in Austin or Colorado or Delaware, and I'm like, I'm going to apply for a job there. Oh, they're in Pennsylvania. Man, I don't want to apply for a job there. Thinking, this simple, they're, they're worried about this weird outlier case that happened once and has now become their guiding star of what never to do is totally crippling their talent process because they're terrified of people showing up to pay their bills um, in their actual location. They've made it look like they don't have offices in those three places that they're actually actively trying to hire. So the where is important. And finally, the why is the company. And this is where we go back to Seth and that good old Uncle Seth we, and who says the, a company exists to make a change in the universe. It, that's what its purpose is. What's the change it wishes to make in the universe? Why does this company exist? Spell it out. Don't have to use the mission that you put on a po that someone put on a poster. You can actually talk about what the change is you're trying to make in the world. So that's the basics. What's the company? Where's the company? Why this is the company? Now we get into intermediate stuff. And the first stuff you, is stuff that once you put it up there, doesn't change very often. It's the standard Wikipedia page of your company. It is the, here's why we exist. You could probably steal 90% of this information off the boilerplate of whatever stock filing or you know financial uh, disclosures you have. It's, it's really basic stuff. You just write it a little better. But the next step is, how is the company? Now you could read that two ways. Uh, you could read how successful is the company. I think of it this way, and that is, how does the company do stuff? What is the culture of the company? How do they make decisions? How do they interact with each other? How do they do both the hard and the easy stuff? How do they act when they struggle and how do they act when they celebrate? You should definitely show both sides of that, right? That's the intermediate stuff. Talking about not the what, but how that happens. Any company can say we're a financial services company or a fintech company or an e-commerce company or a manufacturing company. Great, who cares? How you do it, how it exists, what the work ex what the work life actually is. Is it an eight-hour day? Is it a 12-hour day? Is it all remote or is it you're all clustered up in a room fighting? If you're all clustered up in a room, are you fighting or are you collaborating? What does it mean to collaborate? And I love the idea that, you know, instead of just showing off the, the parades, as it were, the celebrations, the picnics, the meet the people at the president's club who sold 110% of their quota or whatever the heck it is, also show and talk about what it's like when people struggle. Because not everybody's gonna succeed day one. And if you can show how people struggle and how they work together and what happens when people struggle, do they feel like they're off on an ice flow? Do they feel like they're isolated? Or do they feel like they get the support they need? What happens? Does the person, the coworker, their friend at the next desk actually help them? Or do they get ignored and going, oh, don't look at me. Don't let your screw up leak onto me. Or how do you, work the struggle. What does leadership do? What does the boss do? What does training do? What does training and development do? What, is, what do people do when things struggle? Because when someone gets hired, they're not going to succeed day one. They're going to struggle. There's an onboarding process. There's an on-ramp process. There's a, there's a leveling up process that has to happen, and they're going to struggle. And if all you show are pretty smiley faces of people partying and celebrating at the foosball table, 
it's not giving people enough information. It's not enough for them to feel like they can change their lives to come back to the very beginning. But that leaves the advanced stuff. And this stuff gets fuzzy pretty quickly. And I would want to talk about, if you're really talking about a perfect career site, what you're really talking about is creating certainty again, right? We're talking about I, as a human being who does X or Y or Z, who lives in A or B or C, at whatever level and whatever experience I have, I understand exactly what I'm getting into. I understand, I have my questions answered, that they're clear how, they, they, how the answers apply to me, not to somebody else that I feel confident that I understand what this job is and how I can make a difference, that's where the, that's the high-level stuff. Now, of course, the complicated matter is if you're a business of any size, you're hiring different roles. You're hiring different levels of different roles. So even if you're just hiring salespeople, you're hiring entry-level and senior and leadership and at all levels, and the answering one question or the answering the question for one of those people isn't going to answer for all of them. So you have to think about how do you answer questions with some level of specificity and confidence? How can you give that person enough information that they can make a choice where they feel confident that they've made the right choice? Yes, yes, your recruiter is going to fill in gaps. Yes, your hiring manager is going to make it super specific to that role and that boss's expectation of what success looks like. But why put all the burden on those people, especially when you can scrape it out of their heads and stick it on a website? And there's a lot of ways to think about that. Think about it as micro content. Think about um, if you allowed your sales managers to tweet about their day-to-day and you would actually be talking to other salespeople and you can actually reframe that message to say, look, if you're trying to be a sales leader, this is what other sales leaders are talking about. If you're trying to become an entry-level salesperson, this is what your boss is thinking about and this is what your boss expects of you. Either way, that stream of information via 280 characters at a time speaks to multiple audiences in a way that creates that confidence and certainty. You can do it via video. You can do it via social. You can do it via profiles. You can do it via text if you want. You can do it a lot of different ways. But you need to find and focus on how do I create confidence in every level and every role. And ultimately, it leads to the best possible experience and not because it's white glove. And when we talk about experience, we always talk about, oh, everybody was super friendly. Yeah, but not every company's friendly. And if you provide a big friendly face in the interview process to make the best, quote unquote, best customer or candidate experience, and you walk in the first day and everybody's grumpy at each other, that you, you, you lied. It was a pretty candidate experience, but it was a false candidate experience. You need to create accurate and representational candidate experiences. But that means giving the information, the good, the bad, and then the in between. And you have to make it information that people feel authentic and credible. Meaning, yeah, if I'm a nurse looking for a job and all you do is talk about doctors, I don't think that really applies to me. Therefore, that information is not authentic and credible to me. Simply put. So how do you talk to nurses? You have to talk to nurses like you talk to nurses. You talk to doctors the way you talk to doctors. And you talk to administrators the way you talk to administrators. Because they're different audiences, they have different challenges, they have different concerns, they have different worries, they have different fears, they have different experiences they're bringing to the table, they have different questions, and you need to create confidence in all of them. Now the best part about all this is, when you do it right, I mean when you really knock it out of the park, because the fear of, of creating career sites that 
gets to this level of specificity, where you're talking about struggles, where you're talking about why the company exists and how they do things, the good, the bad, and in the middle. If they're talking about all the different audiences and they're talking specifically about the audiences, and by the way, hashtag coming right back to it, I think I've mentioned this before, someone did a video uh, about nursing's nursing and they say how do you tell the story of the nurses and they focus the entire conversation on the on a nurse's shoes that literally a nurse is on their feet so often they have to replace their sneakers like every three to four months you just beat the tar out of these sneakers and it was the story of the sneakers and that story wasn't about look how many lives we saved though you certainly threw that in there but it was like look this is a hard job we work really hard together and because we struggle together and it was entree into a very bigger conversation about what's it mean to be a nurse and what does it mean to be a nurse at this particular hospital. I thought it was fantastic. I wish I could remember where I saw it. Coming back to it. So when you actually embrace the struggle, when you actually embrace credibility and authenticity and confidence and the commitment to make someone confident to make a decision, even when they, you provide that information and they choose not to apply, do not see that as a failure. In fact, you should see that as a success story, albeit one that's hard to measure. Because when you do it right, even when people say, you know what, this is not for me, they understand you. They get you. They may not want to be you or want to be with you, but they get you. And I'm going to tell you right now, people don't know the companies they're applying for. People don't know what they're in for. People do not feel confident even when they're doing all the due diligence because there's so much left unsaid because you only get a half an hour with that recruiter to ask the stupid questions and you don't want to look dumb so you pull back on some of those questions and you walk in going i got like an 80 percent level of certainty on this one or a 60 percent level of certainty or you know what i had nothing else so i'm going to take a shot with my 40 percent level of certainty i think that's the norm i really think that's the norm i think most people go into most new jobs almost completely blind. And I think if you commit to providing an accurate candidate experience starting with a great career site, not one that's pretty, not one that's glossy, but one that creates confidence, those people will feel like they get you. And just the fact that those people feel like they get you nets you so much value down the road because if they don't want to apply, they might know someone who does. And suddenly you're feeling, you're being authentic provides value far down the road. It echoes out. It ripples out to other audiences that you wouldn't normally reach. If you're trying to talk to nurses and that one nurse says, you know what? This isn't the kind of place I want to be. Guess what? That other nurse knows a lot of other nurses. And you know what? Those other nurses will listen to her or her. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be gender specific. Her, him or her um, far more than they listen to your marketing. And certainly they're not going to look at your ads. So creating an accurate, useful, valuable, confident career site that talks about the how, the what, and the why, and the where about your company, about the jobs, is what a perfect career site looks like. Is it about videos? I don't know. Is it about copywriting? Nah, I don't think so. Is it about pretty pictures? No. I think it's about confidence, authenticity, Con, uh, confidence, uh, uh, I said confidence first. It's about certainty. It's about thinking you really understand what this job is about. What that looks like, how that looks like, the platform you build that on is immaterial, it's unnecessary. It is worrying about what pencil Stephen King writes with. It's not the pencil, it's the person who wields the pencil. That's where the, that's where the magic comes from. 
be that. Think of through the problems and not about the platform. And don't let the platform dictate what you think you're supposed to put on the career site. Right? That's a separate conversation. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Ooh, my voice got fried. Um, this is a long one. Yeah, I can see 38 minutes. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you next week. Uh, if you have any questions, thanks, Ben Fox, for putting this question out there. Hopefully, uh, I answered it to any level of value. Um, feel free to ping me on Twitter. Feel free to ping, ping me on LinkedIn or wherever you find me. And uh, I got an email that's out there. Um, I'd love to hear your questions. Love to answer them. So, um, ooh, one last thing. I've now had two guests who for technical reasons never recorded properly and it's making me a little crazy. So I, I'm still committed to bringing in more guests. Um, I'm just grappling with technology, which you know is everybody's life these days, right? So I'm bringing more in. I've got a couple people lined up, so hopefully soon. So thanks so much for listening and share it and tell your friends and tell your bosses and tell your coworkers and I don't know, whatever. And if you see me at an event, just ping me and I got a sticker for you. I promise, I got stickers. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.